Hello, I'm Dr. Clay Granston, lecturer of marketing. Dr. Bryce Evans, associate professor in history. Today's subject is absinthe, la fée verte, the green fairy. Yeah, yeah, we had a really good time doing this episode, as you can imagine. But before we start, uh, a bit of a shock this week. Bryce has actually come up with a, a new name for I the show. I don't like the name of the show, as regular listeners will know. So, absinthe, uh, the topic of this week's discussion i've actually come up with a pun for you usually for usually come up with some very poor puns debatably but, um, poor but this i think is pretty robust are you ready go on, go for it absinthe makes the heart grow fonder that's awful how can you sort of how got. can you pull apart all of those fantastic ones i've done over the weeks the years i may add the years and come up with that well that's all i've got i'm afraid i've got one for you go on sip me baby one more time very good. Not really absinthe specific. Well, it's a drink and you sip drinks. Yeah, but absinthe has su- got such cultural significance, hasn't it? From, uh, you know, the likes of Picasso, Hemingway, Toulouse-Lautrec, Van Gogh, Oscar Wilde. You know, we need something a bit more weighty. And I feel, I feel like mine was a bit more weighty and cultural. So okay. I put a lot of work into well, it. You would, you would say that. But I think we better start talking about um, absinthe and talk a little bit about what we're going to go over this episode. Uh, this is the second of our uh, sort of episodes to, in London that mm-hmm. we did. And uh, we went and spoke to my good friend Pete, who works in Lost Boys Pizza. And they've got a great little absinthe bar just underneath called Croque-Monsieur. And we'll go to that interview in a little bit. And um, essentially the interview, we, we drink absinthe. And Pete's very good at explaining what uh, the history behind the bottles in particular that he has there. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, we had a great time. Yes, therein we sampled a few absinths. We did, yes. Um, but we wanted to just dispel a few myths about it, really. And I guess a good way to start that story would be... Uh, let me let me take you back. Come with me on a, on a journey. Okay, Bryce, where, come where with are we me. Going? We're going to Switzerland. It's 1905. Ah, yeah? okay. So I need so, my passport. Uh, yeah, yeah, please, yeah. Okay. Um, so um, imagine the scene. Uh, there's a gentleman who is standing in front of three coffins. Mm-hmm. And he's crying his eyes out. Mm. And the newspapers are all over this. And he's shot his two children and his wife. And this was sort of uh, around that time there was a big, well, say a big temperance movement. They kind of mm. came and went. But the end of the, sort of the 1900, sorry, yeah, so 1800s, sorry, beginning of the 1900s. These would be the, the sensational and infamous absinthe murders. Indeed, yeah. So let me let me start you off on the, this gentleman. What happened that day? Okay, at dawn, he woke up. He had a shot of absinthe. Doesn't sound like he was any kind of gentleman. <laughs> I don't think he was actually. Uh, followed by a second at dawn. So two shots of absinthe at dawn. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now we carry on at lunch and during his afternoon break, he had six glasses of strong wine. Mm-hmm. So he's pretty wellied by this point. Yeah, it's his lunchtime. Oh, and then he had one more before uh, going back to work. An absinthe. No, no, no. Um, a glass of wine. Another glass of wine. Yeah. Okay, so that's a lot of wine. On his way home, he stopped and had a black coffee with brandy. To sober up. To sober him up, yeah. And then at home, he finished a litre of wine, uh, as his wife looked on in disgust, mm. as I think mine would if I was came home in that state after work. She called him lazy, uh, so he went and got his rif- rifle and shot her. Oh dear. Shot her right in the head. And then his young child came into the room, who he shot. 
and then it gets a bit dark. He goes into the uh, other room where his baby daughter was in a crib mm. and shot that child as well. Mm. Now, did and, he swing for this? I'm sure he did. Um, well, he blamed the absinthe. And that was that was a whole media circus. The furore around it was mm. the absinthe made did it. Not the six glass, seven glasses of wine and a litre of wine later, not to mention the brandy, brandy chucked in. But, but they blamed the absinthe, what he had at the beginning of the day. And thus the moral panic around absinthe, the idea that it's a hallucinogenic, that it sends a lot, obviously Indeed. a lot of you know artists and intellectuals a bit loopy. Indeed. And uh, we'll talk a bit more about that, I think. Um, mm-hmm. When we go and speak to Pete, he'll tell us uh, a little bit about the history and how it became... Well, it was banned mm-hmm. in sort of in America, certainly in the 1912s, and around 1905, mm-hmm. where this story took place, there was a lot of uh, countries that banned it. Essentially, never yes. banned in in England, surprisingly, but banned uh, vast swathes of mm-hmm. Europe and and in in America as mm-hmm. well. So, should we go and have a listen to Pete and uh, listen to us uh, enjoying some delicious? And it was delicious. Let's go and sample absence. some absence. Come with us. We're underneath Lost Boys Pizza in Camden. Correct. And we're open, what, Wednesday to Sunday? Wednesday to Sunday every week, Clay, yeah. 6.30 right. till? 6.30 till late. Latest entry is 10.30. Unless you're meeting somebody. That's yeah. great. There you go. Yeah. So, um, essentially, this is a absinthe bar. That's right? exactly right, yeah. Now, we've walked on, as usual, about the a little bit of history about absinthe. What we're doing right now is we want to talk to Pete about maybe dispelling some of the myths around okay. absinthe. Sure. And then uh, we're going to try some different absinthe. Cool. Um, I think the I think really to start off, we if, if you speak to anybody and people who listen to this, they probably have an uh, an, uh, an idea in their mind of what absinthe is and maybe that it makes you go crazy. Yeah. All that kind of nonsense. I mean, something is this something you get from customers when they come in or it's the most common thing because people come down here either clued up so either ready for ready for an absent experience and they want to jump in you know they, they already have a positive um, relationship with absent or they come down here extremely skeptical and so we exist on those two planes exclusively almost really and uh, in terms of we like to convert one into the other yeah. and uh, what we always say to people I mean we, we talk about the history of absinthe we talk about the ban being lifted in the States in 2007 we talk about the fact that absinthe was never illegal in, in the UK and we talk about the fact that absinthe was unjustly made illegal uh, in France um, and in other parts of Europe uh, largely due to the way that bootleg absinthe has been bootlegged not due to uh, any psychoactive elements that exist within absinthe um, we can talk deeper about you know uh, people synthesizing the, the the murky green color of absinthe that usually comes from spinach and chlorophyll uh, by putting all sorts of nasty chemicals in to make it glow like uh, like kryptonite. Um, but what we generally do with people who come in here for the first time is we say, now our absinthe starts at 55% alcohol by volume. They go up to 71% alcohol by volume. Uh, we never serve absinthe neat. We never drink absinthe neat. We drink absinthe the old bohemian way. Um, when I say bohemian, I, I mean more sort of in, uh, in terms of poets and artists uh, than, than, than anything else. It's very much a creative environment. You know, we have the hats on the walls so that people can put the hats on their heads and sort of lose their inhibitions quite quickly and make friends with strangers quite quickly. It's a small, intimate space. Uh, it's a space where people come to have fun. So we give them the option, they can start really light or they can start really heavy. We also have a list of absinthe-branded cocktails. Uh, so if you wanted just a tippy tone of water, as it were, then you can. 
Uh, we've got a selection here. Uh, so this one is 55%. Uh, uh, that's the Maison Fontaine. And that's uh, clear, right? Yeah, that's clear. That's clear. So there's no, there's not a great deal of chlorophyll in this. So, so could this you take talk us through sort of the, the the nature, the essence of the spirit? Then? Sure. I mean, it's an eau de vie. Uh, so it's it, it's an eau de vie, which is the same thing that uh, that Chambord or the Creme de Cassis or that uh, you know anything that's in your mum's liquor cupboard is made sure. out of. To be perfectly yeah. honest, so it's an eau de vie that then has flavours added to it. So. The general flavours that we find in uh, the general flavours that we find in absinthe are anise, um, fennel, uh, eucalyptus, uh, and then depending on uh, depending on the absinthe or depending on the producer, you find some other you know some wild heather, uh, maybe some pepper, uh, maybe even some cucumber or something bright like this one. Um, we never do absinthe by shots. We always cut absinthe with water. So what we're going to do is just I'm just going to open the open the tap up here. We're going to start to drip. So we'll drip it to about halfway. This is the white one that we're doing first of all. You can see that it changes colour to white. It's going cloudy, right? Yeah, it goes cloudy. Uh, the original. Uh, we've we've also got a um, uh, we've also got an oxygen A here. We'll do this one too. So this is slightly got a bit slightly heavier. Too. Yeah, this is a uh, more of a green tinge, but it's going cloudy too. We'll leave that there to sell for a second. Uh, we'll do this one as well. This is the um, the Esprit Edouard at seventy one percent. So we're going to cut this with water too. You hear me just dribbling in the uh, the water from the absinthe fountain on. Now the reason that it goes cloudy is that there is an element in absinthe that's soluble in alcohol but not in water, huh. uh, and you can already see it starting to layer. So if you get low on that glass, oh, yeah. you see the water sort of separating at the top on all three of them. Three or three different berry styles of absinthe. Uh, but they're all separating um, the same. So we're going to swirl those around just to mix them together. Swirl those around just to mix them together. And then I guess the, 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 the other thing that people come here with is, is the, the preconception of uh, the sugar and the absinthe spoon. Uh, I mean, that's something that comes out of the Czech Republic. I'm not a massive proponent of Czech absinthe um, in, in that way. Um, but it's something that comes out of the Czech Republic which is much more to do with theatrics uh, than it is to do with absinthe. I mean, absinthe. You know, if you cut it and drink it properly like this, it doesn't need any sugar in it. Uh, the the absence that we use are all, uh, all all already have you know quite a, a decent sort of sugar content yeah. in them, so we don't need to, to muck about with them. So, Bryce, this one's for you. Okay, uh, now before I try this feed, is this um, you know, I'm going to end up like to lose the trek, or uh, am I going to cut my ear off? Absolutely, you are. Yes, it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. I get, I get asked that question all the time, and uh, no, not at all. I mean, absinthe has a bad rep. I mean, but I mean, a lot of things had a bad rep. Like I always say, you know, ten years ago, people were terrified of gin, and now we yeah. put it inside a fancy <clears throat> balloon glass, and everyone's mad for gin with a slice of strawberry in it. Fifteen years ago, everyone had, had an awful night on tequila, and then Patron come out and tell us that actually what you've been drinking wasn't tequila. Yeah. Uh, and now you know, I have a glass of tequila on Christmas Day with my dad. You know, he's seventy-two years old. Like, the, the, you know, the, things change, and that. To be honest, it's the whole reason that Croc Monsieur exists. It's the whole reason that we're here is to reframe people's opinions, opinions of absinthe and uh, to re-educate people and give people an opportunity to, to discover something that I've always thought is, is, is a wonderful thing to drink. So anyway, you're cut about, uh, you're, you're about half cut there, if you pardon the expression. Uh, so have a little, have, have a little taste and uh, tell me, tell me what, what flavour profiles you, you, you feel coming through and uh, tell me if you see any pink elephants as well. Ooh, aniseed. Aniseed, yeah. Aniseed, kind of, um, nice aniseed or too aggressive for you at this stage? I mean, it's, it's quite fiery. It's quite fiery. Mm -hmm. So if you find it quite fiery, Clay, we just pop it back under the tap. And put a bit more water in. And we, uh, it will be quite fiery. I mean, that's kind of why we do it like this. We do it in stages. 
we do it in stages to find out what, where people where people's sort of palette lies because you know one person might like it much more aggressive than another you know that, that water completely mellows the totally. the burn completely totally I mean it's just like if you go to Scotland and you get given like a you know a, Course, a, a yeah. fancy dram yeah, there's yeah, always yeah. a splash of water on the side and it, it, it's just to open up the flavour profiles you know so you put your oxo cube in water you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's really nice you know it's good huh very milky though, isn't it? I'm really Super surprised milky. at that. Really surprised. Right, do you want to swap over? Yeah, yeah, you try that one. So yours will be a little bit more bright, right? Yours will be a little bit well, you're swapping now. So yeah. you, yeah. So the one that was 55, yeah, completely different. So that, the, so the brighter one there, that's the Maison Fontaine Blanche. And you'll, you'll have, you know, some eucalyptus, some mint in there. Whereas this one, you're more likely to find like the heavier sort of chlorophyll, mm. uh, sort of uh, fennel uh, elements. Yeah, so uh, a lot more botanical almost. That one. A lot more, uh, yeah, her, 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 herby, sorry. Herby, yeah, so I mean you'll have some wild heather in that one. In, in and you mentioned that the, the band was listed in the States fairly recently. Yes, 2007, so have I got time to talk about this? Yeah, yeah cool. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, so there's a chap called Ted Barone who we work quite, quite closely with, and we're actually drinking his absence today. And Ted uh, was born and raised in New Orleans, uh, which obviously has a, a, a fabulous sort of uh, history with absinthe uh, and uh, with apothecary culture more than anything else. I mean, the first bars weren't bars; they were, they were apothecary chemists, you know. So you'd go and you get a tonic, to, uh, you know, to cure you, to cure your ale. So whether that was a dash of bitters or whether it was an absinthe, that was where people would go and hang out and have, uh, and that's where they'd get absinthe. So New Orleans had this sort of has this affinity with absinthe culture. It also has a bootlegging culture, naturally, when something gets taken away, and it's very natural of, of, of us as, as humans that we, 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 we crave what's been taken away from us. Uh, so there's a bootlegging culture there, and Ted's like, well, you know, I know people who are bootlegging absinthe, and they're not going crazy. Yeah. Would be <laughs> he said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know people are bootlegging absinthe and going crazy, and mm. it just so happened that Ted was a very, very talented research scientist. So he decided to apply one of his passions to one of his passions, to another of his passions, sorry, and he... Uh, he started buying bottles of absinthe from before the band came in. Came in. And what Ted did, he started going to auctions and buying sealed bottles of absinthe from 1901 and before, uh, and then extracting the liquid from it, so popping them open, putting them into his science gig, whatever that looks like. Um, I always think of Batman in the Batcave, but I think of Ted researching yeah. absinthe. Yeah. But he, he started sort of, you know, reverse engineering absinthe, finding out, you know, what went in there, at what quantities, where the raw alcohol came from, was it an odor V? Uh, you know, what what was in these bottles that, that had such a bad rep? What was making it green? Why were some more green than others? You know, and you find things like, you know, we talked briefly about the, uh, you know, the the kryptonite colour. You know, people generally, you know, at the time the kryptonite had such a bad reputation, the kryptonite colour that was going into absinthe is far cry away from the murky pond sort of colours that we've got in front of us yeah. there. It's because people are adding copper sulphate. You know, it's, Poison, absolutely poisoning yeah. themselves. You know, it's similar to what we, just, we talked about tequila. You know, with the, you know, the, the, the synthesizing of a product uh, for mass market consumption. So Ted started to he Ted, Ted discovered what was in these bottles, and then from there he set about reproducing what was in these bottles. So he reproduced. I think he reproduced three. It's in his book. It's a great book. You should read it. Uh, he, I think he reproduced three initially, uh, and then he presented these three to the governing bodies of the states that, uh, that look after the, the alcohol laws. I think it's the FDA and Boba, but correct me if I'm wrong, I'm no expert. Uh, and uh, he said, you know, what do you think of my high alcohol uh, hibiscus li- uh, herby liqueur? What do you think of it? They were like, yeah, it's fine. He's like, wait, so no one's going to go crazy. It's not going to, you know, no one's going to want to marry their cat yeah. or set their hair on fire. Yeah. They said, no, what are you talking about? I said, well, you've just passed absent. 
let's lift the ban. So they lifted the ban. So Ted's the guy responsible for lifting the ban. And then that he continued his research and he continues to buy uh, bottles at auction and to reproduce them. Uh, anything that he thinks is particularly good or interesting, uh, he puts to, admittedly a slim portion of the market, but he puts to market. And so we generally favour Ted's absence over most other, over most other absence. Um, so yeah, so these are the absence that we're drinking here today. So the one you've got in front of you there is uh, from, uh, in this, is the Esprit Edouard. Uh, this one I've got just here is the Oxygen A. I can't smell it. Uh, this one I've got just here is the Oxygen yeah. A. So this is the one that was um, that had uh, oxygen bubbled into it while it was being while it was being produced, supposedly uh, to, to give it extra health benefits uh, when you went to the apothecary. <laughs> when you went to the apothecary, uh, but what I've actually done is just open up the flavour profile uh, quite dramatically. It'll be a bit aggressive there. We might want to add a little. No, it's nice. It's really nice. That one. Yeah, yeah. I'm totally uh, taken aback by. Just the change. That's a bit sharper, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Much more medicinal. Much more, much more medicinal. Yeah. Much more medicinal. We can cut it. Now, I suppose the popularity leading to the moral panic in France was partly due to the good marketing. When we're down here in Croque-Monsieur, we're looking at beautiful artwork. I mean, you think <laughs> of the Art Nouveau period. Absolutely. These are belly pocks. Yeah. So yeah, that yeah. surely is some due to the popularity, right? In France. Uh, in France, yes, and in the Czech Republic as well. I mean, you look at uh, uh, if, you, if you, I mean, Alphonse Mucha was the artist who, who produced a lot of the the you know the fabric. You can see some of them around. You know, these, these scrolls that are on sort of the uh, the sides of the fountains that are very uh, synonymous with with absinthe culture were, were produced by Alphonse Mucha. Um, you know, there's a fabulous museum dedicated to him uh, in, in Prague. And I think you know that that almost certainly is is part of the reason that the Czech Republic has this uh, you know this great romance with absinthe. Yeah. Uh, it just so happens that they you know there are more people doing uh, doing more of a frat boy tourist route than there are doing sort of yeah. traditional Alphonse Mucha route. And you know, fair play, that's fine. You know. Great. Okay. Well, thanks for that, Pete. Um, Pleasure. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Blue. How are you, how are you feeling? Um. <laughs> Has the Green Fairy given you a kiss yet, Clay? No, I'm okay, I'm actually. I'm feeling alright. It's um, very warm in. It's very warm, yeah, isn't it? Warm, it's very it's, mellow. It's, it's a, got it's, very uh, red cheek. <laughs> it's a different type of drunk. Absinthe, we, we, we always say it's, it's a very different type of drunk. It's. Um, it's much, you know, I mean, like anything, you know, like you know, rum will make you run monks, you know, yeah. tequila will make you want to sing. Like, absinthe is a very, very much like, uh, it's a spiritual plane kind of, um, yeah. kind of drug. It's very much more, people people associate more with a high than with, with a drunk feeling, you know? Yeah. Because you don't need a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks again, Pete. That's been brilliant. Um, worries, cheers. Cheers. Sante. Okay, so that was us there in London sampling some absinthe. Now, it might have been the hallucinatory effects of absinthe, but yeah. I could swear I heard some tube trains going the, by, yeah. rumbling away in <laughs> yeah. the background there. We were quite close to Euston Station. Um, I think it gives it real character, though. I might have just been hallucinating. That might have been no, the hallucinations. Might have been. It might have been. But I thought that was great. Um, some of the stuff we learned from talking to Pete, um, we had a long conversation with him. That was just sort of a, a snippet of what we were talking about. But some of the dispelling some of those myths around absinthe mm. that the fact that it was the green devil and not in fact the green fairy um was i thought really interesting yeah. especially around the fact that there's nothing there's no substance in absinthe in, in enough quantity because mm. uh, you've got this uh, substance called thujone i think i'm not a chemist but thujone and in very large well in, in large amounts it can cause fits and convulsions mm. um 
but there are such small amounts in absinthe that you know as Pete was saying when they tested the old bottles there yeah. was absolutely nothing wrong with them and yeah. we, we mentioned right at the beginning this sort of crazy media social uh, circus around um, well, the, the moral panic it comes yeah. down to it's actually ethanol really. it's alcohol it's alcohol is, exactly the issue here. and actually some of the reasons why um, and again Pete did touch on this but some of the reasons why perhaps people going a bit bonkers uh, was that uh, you know there was copper sulfate in there which is poisonous mm. as, mm. as, um, as Pete said there's something called antimony which is a which is a metal which makes you very very sick a chloride you know, madness. Mm. And the fact that it wasn't um, regulated and there were bootleggers out there, yeah. you know, people's vision was probably going because of the poor, poor uh, alcohol that was yeah. in it. Although we should emphasize that Pete, like a lot of, you go to a lot of absinthe bars, does run a, 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 a tight ship there. And, you yeah. know, you, you can't just walk in there and, you know, do several uh, Shots. deaths in the afternoons. You know, yeah. he, he, you can't say, I think he was telling us a story of a fellow who wanted to yeah. just sort of knock it back. And, yeah. You obviously have to be quite strict with this because it's very alcoholic. Well, yeah, I think some of them around. The ones we were drinking, I think one of them went up in near the 70s. Mm. But it didn't taste like it. Once mm. you put the water in, you know, as we mentioned, it, it really mellows out. It's a bit oh, like pastis, you know. It's very good, yeah. Really good. Yeah. So you wanted to uh, to sort of embellish on something you were talking about. Well, I was talking about some of the, I mean, one of the great things, one of the iconic things uh, about absence is, of course, the artwork. I mean, the... And, you know, there's some fabulous examples in the bar we were in. There were, yeah. Um, those you know, sort of belly pock kind of Art Nouveau uh, depictions. Some of the bottles you see, the old bottles are fantastic. So um, that question of art, though, and art history, I don't know if you've seen some of these programs where they go back to a painting from years ago and, you know, they find little things. You know, you know when you see an art historian take you through a painting and it illuminates the whole history, the whole mystery of that painting for you. No, I don't. But I'm gonna yes for this. I'll say well, yes. There's a lot of these programs. Well, but I've okay. got I've got I've got a, a guy who's going to come in. Um, he's gonna he's here now actually. He's an absinthe art detective. Is this another one of your guests? Yeah. Okay. He's he's, he's coming in now. Now for this, you might need your phone because and listeners can play along at home. Oh. So you can look at the image and he'll he'll talk you through it. But he's actually okay. done a lot of digging historically. He's found out some really key historical facts about right. absinthe through artwork. Sh- should I be so, worried? No, no, he's 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 very well established. Like the best detectives on television, he, right. he's Scottish. Okay, he's a, he's a sort of grizzly, wizened Scottish detective. He's been on the beat for years. Right, but he's an art detective, and he, he he's going to take us through his casebook. Okay, well, I get him. Go get him. Then. Okay, go on. Hello. Hello there. Hi, who are you? I'm the absinthe art detective. Okay. Now, I know you boys have been talking about the beautiful decorative and cultural properties of absinthe. Right. The belle époque, the green fairy, the romance. Guy de Maupassant, Baudelaire, Oscar Wilde. But I'm here to expose some shocking facts about absinthe. Go on then. And I'm going to take you through my casebook. Okay. The first picture I want you to look at, if you get out your phone there... Okay. ...is by Edward Manet. It's from 1859. You can play along, your listeners can play along at home. Google Edward Manet, the absinthe drinker. One of the most famous examples of absinthe in art. Oh, I've got it, yeah. Have you got it? I have. It's from the Impressionist School. It's a nice picture. The original is now hanging in Copenhagen. 
Aye, it's a beautiful picture. You may say that, but it shocked the art establishment of today. Why? Why? Well, look, look a little closer, and I'll show you. You see a man in a tall. You see the man in the tall hat there. Yeah. He's got a cloak on. Yeah. Looks respectable, doesn't he? He does, yeah. But look a little closer. What's that? A glass of something milky green. Yeah, he's... To his side, with a slotted spoon dipped in it. Yeah. And, hang on, he's not standing, but he's sort of half sat on a ledge. He's kind of leaning. And there's an empty bottle in the There's an empty bottle in the foreground. Well observed, sir. Most tellingly, his left foot seems to be doing some kind of impromptu jig. Yeah. Conclusive proof. Conclusive proof that I have discovered through those little clues, the little clues there, that this man in the picture is, in fact, drunk. Yeah. He's langered, he's, he's fluttered. <laughs> yeah. Now, you may point out that the name of the piece, The Absinthe Drinker, might give this away, but I hope that my art history detective skills have helped illuminate my deductive reasoning there. Yeah, I mean, you don't need to be a detective. I'm going to take you through the second one in my art okay. history casebook. Right, Number two, Edgar Degas, 1875, Absinthe. If you Google that, Degas Absinthe, have you got it? Degas, D-E-G-A-S. Degas, aye. Right. 1875, now yeah, hanging yeah. in the Musée d'Orsay in Paris. Oh. Shocked the art establishment of the day. They were always getting shocked, that art establishment, weren't they? Very jumpy people. But why? Look at it. What do you see there? I see a, a lovely lady. It's a very nice, yeah, aye, very nice rustic sketch of a French cafe. Hey? Yeah. Nice lady. Couple, couple of people there. Yeah. But I'm going to take you through my detective skills if you look a little closer. Okay. It's a woman and a man sitting side by side. Yeah. But they're no drinking together. They're actually lonely, sad figures. Yeah. The man in the hat, you see him? I do, yeah. He's looking off. He's looking off picture. The woman. Nice dress. Yeah. But she's staring downward at nothing in particular it's on the floor. It's a little bit forlorn. Telltale clue there. There's a glass of absinthe on the table. There is. My verdict then, through these art history clues, yeah. is that they're banjoed. They're paralytic, they're, they're drunk, they're scuttered off the absinthe. They could be. You see what I mean? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to take you through the f- third and final one of my casebook. Right. Who's this? 1901 Picasso. Oh, famous. yeah, I've heard of him. The Absinthe Drinker by pa- Pablo Picasso. He's pretty good, Picasso, isn't he? Aye. But I want you to look closely at this image. It's now housed in St. Petersburg. Oh. Listeners can play along at home. 1901 Picasso. Absinthe drinker. Yeah, it's a good one, this. Expressionist piece from his so-called blue period. Everything's in blue. Aye, but look closely. What do you see there? I see a bit of green in a glass. Aye, but apart from the colours, it's a young woman, aye? Is it? Is it? Enjoying a refreshing glass of some kind of liquid. She looks like good company, aye? She's in got- fact, you might side love to her for a chat in a bar if you saw her out in the night out, would you, maybe? She's got really scary hands, actually. Aye, you look closer. She's got scary hands. The red wall is dirty, it's discomforting. Mm. The dull blue draws us into her mental prison. The most striking detail is her gigantic, monstrous right hand. Yeah, it's pretty spooky. Look at her face. Look closer. She is absorbed in her thoughts. Yeah. She tries to embrace and protect herself with her monstrous hand. Okay. It engulfs her. Is she smiling? No. Is she tense? Aye. Is she lonely? Aye. Do you know what else? What's that? She's drinking absinthe. Yeah. Do you think she's drunk? And here's the verdict. She's buckled. <laughs> Aye, she's banjoed. She's ossified. Yeah. She's drunk off absinthe. 
Right. So I've given you three. That's just an example of what I do. What may appear to you to be a beautiful little picture, all calm and nice. Yeah. If you've got the clues and the training that I've had yeah. to look at these pictures, to look a little bit closer, from the years of experience, this is clay, and I, you can detect conclusive proof that absinthe, absinthe makes you drunk. And that, okay, and that's that's what you do? I am an art history detective. Okay. Do you have lots of other pictures of people drunk? I have many, I have a huge case book. All right, well, maybe we'll have to get you back another time. Aye, aye. Well, tell Bryce thank you on your way out. I will. Did did that help you, though? To, oh, to, yeah. It shows you some very striking examples in art history. If you just look a little closer, the clues are there. Absinthe makes you drunk. Okay, now I must be getting on. I have a meeting with the Crown Prosecution Service. Okay. Thank you. See you later. There you go. He's good, isn't he? Well, thanks for that, Bryce. That's uh, that's some cracking guests you've had on. Ah, uh, he's he's very good, though, isn't he? He is. If yeah. You look, I mean, the little clues. Yeah, I especially liked the fact that he could do a French accent, but within his Scottish accent. I thought that was well, pretty good. He's a very cultured man, you know, and he's been on the beat for years. A lot of cases under his belt. Yeah. You can see the little clues that we necessarily wouldn't look for in in art history in, in paintings. For when people are banjoed. I well, that's, I mean, to be fair, he's revealed that about all these pictures of absence. It's, it's pretty conclusive proof, I think you agree. Well, listen, let's finish off with your favourite uh, part of the oh, yeah. the show, uh, which is uh, Book Corner. Are we sticking with Book Corner? Are you still all right with that? Yeah, Book Corner, of course, the best bit of the show. So for, okay. for absence, I've got a book here, uh, The Book of Absinthe, The Cultural History. Okay. By Phil Baker. Is that any good? It's very good. I mean, he goes on the story of how it has intoxicated artists, like we mentioned, yeah. poets, writers. He discusses, as, as we've done, the, the absent murders. Yeah. Um, I mean, there is a lot more to this, isn't it? I mean, we've just done a whistle-stop tour. Yeah. And we've talked about some, some, touched upon some of the main aspects of why it was thought to be such a bad thing yeah absinthe and it still is I mean even I mean I'll be honest with you when I was younger and drinking absinthe yeah. I always thought it you know had properties in it that were going to make me more drunk perhaps yeah but actually it's all just a big old load of nonsense isn't it well he yeah he, he discusses that and he tries to discover how it actually works on your nervous system and he looks at its cult, you know it's a very sort of counter-cultural drink he just yeah. destroy, you know some of those artists and writers who we've discussed there so it's good. It's, it's cultural history because I think absinthe is such a sort of cultural phenomenon. So that's why I've chosen this one for this week. It's a good book. Good book. Just uh, before we go, I uh, just thought we'd mention um, we've got a, quite a few more episodes coming up in, I think we mentioned last episode, around London and in London. So we'll yeah. be going back to Pete at some point because we did another episode with him. Uh, but in the meantime, make sure you go and try out uh, Lost Boys Pizza. There's two of them, one in Archway, one near Monington Crescent near, uh, near Euston Station. Please go and try them because, it, I mean, it was great, wasn't it? Not just for the absinthe, but they do some great pizzas in there. It's a really nice place to go. In. Charcoal pizzas. Yeah, we'll talk about that in another episode. We'll talk about that in a different episode. And, of course, you can go downstairs then and get yourself a few absinths. But be, you know, be careful. Be careful. As we've heard, it does have the capacity to get you intoxicated. Banjoed. Yes. So be careful. Okay. So from absinthe makes the heart grow fonder. Goodbye. For the next time. <laughs>